planet. For more info, go to danimalplanetradio.com. I thought you'd might like some coffee. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. I want you down. Thank you. Cream? No, thank you. I take it black. Like my man. Ladies and gentlemen, now the moment you've all been waiting for. This is the real shit right here. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hi! It's time now for Danimal Planet. What's that smile on that face? I don't know where you people come from. The Danimal Planet Podcast is available by visiting DanimalPlanetRadio.com. All right. Whoa! Where do you think you're going? You're ready for something! Take it! Now, let's start the show. Oh, hell yeah. That would be great. Welcome back to the program, Danimal Planet Radio. DanimalPlanetRadio.com, available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. My guest today is Don Kernagas. I met Don on a flight. My band was playing somewhere in Florida or we were going to Florida, something like that. I don't quite remember. She is a research scientist in the area of human performance optimization and risk mitigation for operators in extreme environments such as those working undersea, at altitude, and in space. Her team's current research efforts are funded through several DOD agencies and the NASA Translational Institute for Space Health. Say that five times fast uh, but she uh, is just a, a very fascinating person uh, does so many cool things uh, both professionally and personally so uh, I invite you to stick around enjoy the interview coming right up right here on Danimal Planet Radio hi grandma My friend Don Kanagas is on the, the show here, so thank you again, and let me be one of the first to say happy early birthday. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So you just... Uh, I, it's easy to forget It's easy to forget that it's your birthday when you're in uh, in quarantine and, and everything else going on right now. But, you know, I have everything I need. I have. I told a friend I have uh, whiskey, wine, and Wi-Fi, so I've got everything I need to survive that's right all, now. So that's good. like, <laughs> you just wrote a country song. There you go. That's all you, Dan. <laughs> to see that on your Whiskey, next, wine, and Wi-Fi. <laughs> Hell yeah! Sounds like sounds like a Budweiser song. You've got. I mean, I'm looking at all the things that you do, and it's like I'm. I'm. You know, it's like falling off a tree trying to grab onto like all the cool branches of stuff that Dawn does. Yeah. Well, so before I got into my current job, I, I talked to you, but I had the chance to work as an au pair for the captain of one of the NHL teams. That's um, right. Actually, Rod Brendamore. And they won the cup the first year I was watching the kids for, for Rod. And so just awesome opportunity to watch the whole process from start to finish and kind of get a behind-the-scenes view of what the commitment that it takes, I mean, from all teams, not just the winning team, but all teams sure. going through that process. So it was pretty pretty amazing. Research scientist for IMHC, that's the Florida Institute for Human and Machine Cognition. Correct, um, yes. How, I mean, again, I apologize, like PhD, it, Duke University, you studied neurology, among many other things, um, undergraduate degree in biochemistry at North Carolina State University. So where are you at right now and your, your, your current position, more or less? 
Yeah, fantastic. So, um, so I work for IHMC, so Institute for Human and Machine Cognition, and I am a research scientist there and also program lead. So we have a program focused on human health and performance and resilience in extreme environments. So it seems pretty niche. Wow. <laughs> uh, so we study individuals who work under sea, individuals who work at altitude, and also individuals working in outer space. Wow. And we look at ways to protect them and keep them to working at the best of their ability in these extreme environments. Because some of those environments have these different stresses that have negative impacts on the mind and the body. And so we're looking at ways to protect against those stresses. And it's, it's a fun job. And so I'm up here to start doing some collaborative work and expand on my, my current research, which has been focused on looking at ways to protect the brain specifically. Sure. So as you mentioned, I have a background in neurology as a postdoc at Duke University. And um, so my big interest is how can we protect the brain when it's going to be exposed to a stressful environment or... You know, how can we protect the brain after it's been exposed? Obviously, that's a that's, you know, pretty common area of research. But you know, thinking about individuals who are going into low oxygen environments at altitude or individuals going into space or even individuals who are going to be exposed to a lot of potential concussive injury, sure. so athletes, military, um, how can we protect their brains so the brains can handle the stress to the best the best of their ability? So it's a, it's a pretty cool job. I, I get to work in all different facets of things that I absolutely enjoy. And wow. um, yeah, I feel very lucky to be able to do what I get to do. That's amazing. Good for you. And, uh, you know, throughout the years that we've been like friends on Facebook and stuff, you see like you you post, you know, I'm here today, I'm doing this. And like now you're under sea, you're over here. And then like you start seeing the word NASA start popping up in your posts. <laughs> so Nemo 21, uh, you, mm-hmm. and, you and five others, you know, basically lived and researched underwater and uh, Nemo, as I'm seeing, is NASA Extreme Environment Mission Operations. Uh, mm-hmm. So it sends, you know, what I'm just reading off Wikipedia here, but so it looks like you guys were down there for three weeks. Is that is that right? Yeah. So the mission itself was a 16 day mission, and it was split. Um, so it was interesting. It's the first time that they so they hit the, the 21st mission of Nemo, um, Nemo 21. And it's the first time that they had done a split mission where they were trying to recreate the scenario where they have crew on space station and then they have a crew handoff. So you have some crew leaving, some crew staying, and then you have new crew that are joining. And so we had six crew members. So the habitat that we lived in under sea can only fit um, six people max. Wow. Two of those people are going to be undersea habitat technicians and these people are incredibly experienced running a uh, habitat and have tons of experience with commercial diving and, and military diving so essentially they're the ones that are keeping us alive yeah <laughs> um and so the the four crew members that are allowed in there uh you know have research backgrounds or we have astronauts we had three astronauts and three researchers that so were cool. part of the six-person crew but because you can only have six people down and then you have two of those people as technicians you, you can only have four crew members so we had Two crew member or four crew members down for eight days, and then they had everybody essentially quote unquote come to surface. You never actually come up to the surface; yeah. it's just they decompress the habitat at the bottom, and then two of the people swim out, and then two of us swam in, and they recompressed it and did another eight days. Wow. So two of the crew members stayed down for the entire sixteen days, and the rest of us did eight days each. Um, so yeah, it was an incredible opportunity. I, it was really cool to combine a uh, background in diving. I had done a lot of work in the diving industry, um, both cave diving and, and <laughs> underwater exploration and underwater you know, diving education for quite some time. 
and then being able to translate that over to and combine that with the research I've been doing in extreme environment physiology and diving medicine, it was kind of like this wrap up into one big package to be able to combine everything that I've been doing into one, into one mission. Wow. So, um, yeah, it was cool. And I, I, we were down there for training for almost a month before. So there was a lot of dive training we had to do and specific task training that we had to do because we had over over two dozen different scientific tasks that we had to conduct as crew members under mm-hmm. so we were busy the entire time we weren't just hanging out underwater I bet. Um, yeah but well, then you, we also you had, don't go down there to play <laughs> monopoly you know it's like hey, yeah what yeah. do you want to do today <laughs> well i don't know how about i got this jigsaw puzzle in my spacesuit here well, I've... <laughs> <laughs> we did play go fish because <laughs> we had to do that under sea. um <laughs> uh, and then we had a, like a full week of training at johnson space center maybe about a month before we reported down to where the habitat is located in the florida keys so johnson space center is in houston texas is where the astronauts train and uh, i always tell people it's, you feel like really cool when you say you have to report for crew training at johnson space center and you're not actually an astronaut <laughs> you get this little moment of like this is pretty awesome <laughs> i bet so like so. you're down there you're obviously you're busy you're working okay you played a little go fish like what it's you know you see in the movies like that's all like people like me know about is like you watch a movie they you know more or less go to outer space and like they say time is different when you're traveling what's it like underwater and like part two of that question is like what do you what do you eat underwater like how do you prepare food i mean like what's does the the eight days or the 16 days that you're down there like did it feel like six months or did it just feel like eight days you know no it flew by Um, we were so busy so they um they made a point we use software that similar to what they use on space station where essentially our as crew members our entire day was scheduled in blocks from I want to say it was 7 a.m. might have been 8 a.m. I'm starting to forget now, but um, essentially there was like a long block of work all day where we were essentially had a task at pretty much every 15 minute interval. We had something that we were working on, and um, you know we had little breaks here and there, but it was it was fast and furious. Like there's a lot of stuff that was going on. The days just absolutely flew by. Yeah. As far as consumption goes, so we were in an air-filled habitat, so it was kind of like a submarine, except um, you know we're sitting on the bottom of the ocean and we were under pressure. So mm. that's the big difference: is that we, it's like a saturation diver would be, like you um, see, I'm trying to think um, in the abyss where essentially you are under pressure, you can't come up from the habitat. So if you come up, you risk serious decompression sickness or the bends so um there's that kind of aspect of you have to do everything under sea you have to handle everything underwater you're down you're physically down there um, and physiologically down there um but you have this dry space so we had bunk beds and we had a little (laughs) tiny kitchen and we had a low-powered microwave and kind of a, a cooling it wasn't really a cold fridge but like a cool fridge so a lot of camping food (laughs) Uh, and we had hot water uh so we just add hot so that was the big thing we got is we would just add hot water to everything you know as far as like the the camping food went yeah and we had um i will tell you like the the, somebody sent down at one point they kind of restocked some food and they sent down some fresh lettuce and we were ecstatic (laughs) to see fresh green stuff and we made salads and it was awesome Answer in a sec, like the the you said the bottom of the ocean, but like that. What what depth was that? But then, how, yeah, what are they? How do they send you lettuce? Like in obviously packaged and whatnot, but like do they just like use a pulley system? Does somebody swim it down? How do how do you get fresh lettuce at the bottom of the ocean? 
Yeah, so they have um, pressure pots that they send up and down to send equipment up and down, and they're, 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 uh, they have divers who are swimming them up and down. Unreal. And we were living at, um, so essentially the depth we were living at is 45 feet. The bottom of the habitat was about 60 feet. And then we were doing excursions outside of the habitat, so we were simulating spacewalks outside of the habitat for anywhere from three to six hours each day and those were out to 100 feet i like i like that you use the word excursion like is there zip lining down there can you can you go yeah. through, through <laughs> the water rainforest the habitat walk. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello concierge yes i'd like to go zip lining please uh, <laughs> that is no just walking walking and we had like the umbilicals so the big hoses that you know, ha- uh, had our gas supply and also our communication supply um going from our helmet back to the habitat and then we had, um, and also video, we had video cameras on, on our helmets so crew could so see awesome. where we were and what we were looking at when we were doing activities outside of the habitat. At the end of the excursion, do they give you like a DVD of what you just did? Like here, your, your camera recorded all this. Here you go for uh, 49 95 no, you can keep cool. it. <laughs> I don't know. Some of the stuff I said, I, I might not want that captured, but um, <laughs> no, it was good. They, they, I did get like screenshots of what That's they could so cool. see on the screen of me out there. So that was pretty cool. Well, and I remember seeing pictures had, that you posted. Yeah. Yeah. We had GoPros. That was, so we took some videos of each other and pictures of each other and stuff too. So just, cool. You know, whenever we had a little bit of downtime. So it's, of course, it's selfies, definitely, of course. <laughs> definitely. Well, you, when you're down there, you absolutely have to. I mean, like, oh, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, <laughs> you know, if like, you're going to be doing that again, but just like, you know, you're down. At the, you know what? This would be a great time for a selfie. Like, yes. you know, I don't know when this is going to happen again. Um, so you were talking about like, well, that's one word we don't hear enough. You know, the average person is the word abyss, you know, I I need to start (laughs) dropping that word, like go to the grocery store. It's like, do you have any fresh abyss? You know, but so you're talking about like the the decompression and whatnot. It's like you're studying neurology and, and, and on the brain. What's it like? I mean, like how long, I mean, your the pressure and everything is good. Your suit and everything is protected, but like how long is too long or to be underwater like that with b- being around the pressure. I, 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 I'm always fascinated by that. Like you're down there for 16 days or what's the longest someone has been that deep? That's a great, I actually don't know the record on, I should know this, but I actually don't know the record on, on, um, sat, so what they call it is saturation diving. Mm. So it's where you hit a point where, um, essentially the, the, gas that's in your tissues and blood equilibrates to the pressure of the gas that you're breathing and that you're under essentially and so you can your tissues and blood can only saturate so much of that and then you reach the point of what's called saturation so at that point then you can stay down there i would say pretty much as long as you want there are other considerations like um you know the co2 that you breathe out and the oxygen that you're breathing in so there are other things you have to be thinking about but um, typically, when you when you decompress from saturation, like our 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 decompression, so coming back up to the surface, took uh, I think it was about sixteen hours. Wow! So it's a long. It's just think of it as taking the top off of a soda bottle, and you know that just taking it off really, really slowly, so you're not having any bubbles form. Oh man! And so that happened overnight, which is great. So we. We start off by breathing oxygen for an hour, pure oxygen, which helps start to remove some of that nitrogen that's been soaked up in our blood and tissues. Sure. And it just kind of gets things moving. And then you just start, you just kind of hang out. We actually just slept in our bunks and 
Um, overnight, they worked on decompressing us, and by the time we woke up the next morning, we were equivalent at the surface. Wow. And then they checked us for symptoms and uh, made sure that everybody was okay. And then they recompe- recompressed us really fast. So essentially, once you decompress, it's like we were in a submarine on the bottom of the ocean. Wow. And then they recompressed us really fast, opened up the habitat we were living in again because they had to shut the door when they did the, the decompression. And they opened up that the door once we're at equivalent pressure at the bottom, and then we had a pretty short time frame to swim back out. Wow. So we threw on our scuba gear and swam back up to the surface. That so, I mean, where um, do, but yeah, people. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say, like, where do you think originally, and, and maybe you, you, like the year that all this first started, like, where do you think that process came from? Like the research, where did they determine? You know, like you said, sixteen hours or whatever. Like the process, like obviously a lot of research and studies, but like early, no early charity. on. Yeah, I mean, like early yeah, on, how do they determine? Invested. So saturation diving can be incredibly efficient in the sense that once you get people locked down to whatever pressure they're going to be living at, then they can do excursions outside of the habitat and work outside of the habitat as much as they need to. Mm-hmm. You're not having to bounce up and down like a typical scuba diver would, and then you're limited when you're on scuba when you're on scuba and you're or any kind of um, scenario where you're not in saturation diving you're limited because you do have to consider how much gas you're taking up in your tissues so this way once you're down there you can kind of stay for as long as you need to to get the work done that you need to do and then you have one long decompression coming back up yeah so the military has invested a ton of time this goes decades and decades back but the the military has invested a ton, ton of time and money and resources into studying you know, what that looks like for humans as far as decompression goes. Um, And that's a really safe profile, too. So they get it down to the point where they want to see, you know, minimal of absolutely no cases of decompression sickness. And they want those, you know, those profiles to be as safe as possible for the military divers. Is there um, is there a movie that's out there that is close to what you've experienced that you would recommend to people to watch or, or perhaps a documentary? Like if somebody's listening to this going, wow, that sounds amazing. What what can I watch to learn more or a video perhaps online? Yeah, I mean, if they look up anything about Aquarius Reef Base, that's where we were living. There have been tons of projects out of there. So not just NEMO missions, but scientific saturation missions and military saturation missions, which probably won't be on video. But they've had a lot. They've had a lot of um, incredible projects that have been run out of Aquarius Reef Base, and you can see what the habitat looks like, what the inside of the habitat looks like. Um, there's a video that I show whenever I give my talks on a mission. It was a, it was a Nemo mission that was kind of renamed essentially for one year. It was called Sea Test. Mm. So if you look up Sea Test, so S E A T E S T, um, they it's pretty cool because they give a really nice tour throughout the habitat and then some of the the current astronauts who were able to live and work under sea for for a mission. And it was just a couple. It was maybe like six or seven years ago, so it's fairly recent too. Wow, uh, the yeah. One of many accomplishments uh, that you have, I the, the most badass website of all time, and congratulations on becoming a member in 2016, the Women's Diver Hall of Fame. So it's wdhof.org. Oh, my God. How freaking cool is that? You're, you're in the Hall of Fame for Women. I was telling somebody about this the other day, and they're like, I didn't even know that existed. And it's like, well, <laughs> this is why we're doing this talk, because I like, I want to, like, you do so many amazing things. I'm like, people need to kind of hear this stuff. And yes, there is a Women's Diver Hall of Fame website, wdhof.org. Let's talk about that for a second. Like, 
you know, you get nominated for something like that. Obviously, your research and everything that led to this point. What, what I mean, to you personally, what, what kind of an honor is that? That's got to be amazing. Uh, incre- just incredibly humbling. And um, I was I found out that I was uh, selected and was going to be inducted. So I found out in the fall of 2015, was inducted in 2016, spring of 2016. And my first meeting that I went to with uh, other women, Women Endeavors Hall of Fame, I sat in the room and everybody went around and did, you know, this is one of the annual meetings that we had and everybody went around the room and did introductions. And I just sat there with goosebumps hmm. because, you know, I started scuba diving when I was 15 and these are women that I had been looking up to and reading about since I was in middle school, like even before I got scuba certified because I knew I wanted to dive for quite some time. Yeah. And um, just incredibly humbling and, and so inspirational. And, and the, the community is incredibly supportive of each other, but they're also incredibly supportive of other divers. And not just female divers, they're, they're just supportive of sure. getting young divers up and coming into the field, whether it's just, you know, whether it's learning how to scuba dive all the way to becoming a researcher, all the way to learning how to become, you know, advanced instructor. So um, we have a scholarship program, and it's a grants and scholarship program, which is very comprehensive and we have I can't remember I think it's it's like over two dozen grants and scholarship opportunities I don't know what the number is up to now but we essentially have a review committee that goes through and based on background and expertise we have people that review so many applications for these different opportunities and it's just a really cool way to give back so it's not just being surrounded by these women who just inspire on a daily basis but also just you know, finding ways to give back to the community which is so rewarding that's incredible and like looking yeah. at like you're doing you mentioned underwater cave explorations you got you said what 15 you were certified as a scuba diver um mm-hmm. you you know you grew up in what north carolina but you spent a lot of time in florida um right. so what like what prompted this like you just like you know I, I want to start scuba diving like how how does one you know I know people do it as like a hobby I've done it once I think I mean that's like exploring caves it's like you just don't hear somebody say that and like what are some of the things that you've you've seen like that you're just like blown away that you're like okay I've seen this on picture or video but like now you're down there exploring caves underwater that's fascinating so I got certified when I was 15. I wanted to learn how to scuba dive. I figured that out when I was about nine. <laughs> so That's I knew awesome. I wanted to go into science of some sort. Total geek, still am. Um, <laughs> but my parents, we had moved from Iowa to North Carolina, went to the ocean, and I just absolutely fell in love with the ocean. I was like, I want to go into marine biology. That's it. I'm done. Yeah. And carried big Jacques Cousteau books around with me all the time on the bus and just, like <laughs> I said, total dork. Um, so got certified when I was 15, and our dive shop went on these trips probably every month to two months or so to the Florida Springs, which are just absolutely incredible resource, just as an aside. Uh, like people come from all over the world to dive the freshwater springs in Florida. They're just amazing. And so we did a trip down to the Florida Springs. My dad went with me, you know, again, I was 15 and my sister came down with me and she went snorkeling and, um, these springs, a lot of them have pretty vast cave systems that are associated with them. And I had the chance to dive into a cavern, which was set up for people who had the same level of training that I did at the time for, for open water divers. And so essentially it's graded off. You can't go far back. You can't go very deep or anything. So 
I swam back there. And now that I think about it, my dad watched his 15-year-old daughter swim into a hole in the ground, which is just, <laughs> I have to give it to him to sit there and watch me do that. But I went with my instructor who, to this day, is like, you know, he's like a godfather to me and just an incredible human being and is, is very close to my parents and yeah. and has just been incredible support. But he took me in for my first cavern dive in the springs and I came out and I was like, I want to know what's around the next corner. I wow. want to get, I want to get cave certified. And so I started learning how to cave dive and then started taking, you know, after actually did some kind of unofficial training for a little while and mm-hmm. then form, formally got my training when I turned 18. And, um, yeah, just kind of didn't look back for quite some time. It was a lot of fun to be a part of a, a number of different projects in particular. One big project that I worked with for almost a decade or just over a decade, um, that was focused on some deep cave exploration and I got to dive with them and learn from them and have them mentor me as a diver which was such an invaluable experience so you you travel a lot and uh I mean for work and I'm sure personal stuff but like you hear some like the average person go oh man you got to go check out uh you know wherever you know someplace in the United States or somewhere in the world are you do you find it now like you're kind of not you know spoiled in a good way like you know what i've been Mm -hmm. underwater exploring caves like yeah you know redwood forests yeah it's okay you know what i mean like are you do you still are you still (laughs) fascinated by by traveling and and seeing cool things oh yeah uh every i mean i'm nature in particular just i just did my first trip to yosemite last year almost a year ago now and I was just jaw on the ground almost. I had to like yeah. drag my jaw across the trail almost the entire time. It was just absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, there's just so many amazing places and there's so many places I haven't been sure. that, you know, that, that have a huge list of places I still want to go. New Zealand, I like, and I know you just went there recently, Dan. I, I couldn't get enough of New Zealand. Everywhere you looked, it was just, just oh, jaw dropping. I mean, again, when we, so. we landed in, uh, you know, Auckland and then flew from there to Queenstown, uh, when we got to Queenstown, I was just like, holy shit. It's like, yeah. it's like the entire area is like an Ansel Adams painting. I mean, it's just like, it's not fair. I'm just like, why do I not live here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely cool. And the diving there is some of the best diving I've ever done. So, um, yeah, I mean, just the, there's, uh, there's still so much to see. So it's, it's been one aspect of my life, but I definitely, there's a lot more that I still want to see. Being on my podcast right now, you do the STEM Talk podcast. Do you still do that one? Yes. Yep. So we have a podcast. Actually, I'm getting ready to set up here in the house um, cool. t- today, tomorrow. <laughs> so my, the production crew will be very happy about that. Um, but, and <laughs> She's busy. She's busy right now. She's busy right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you know, it gets, it gets tricky when you're trying to interview people. Like we have a certain you know, way that we've been doing our podcast and it's tricky when you have COVID and everybody's under quarantine and people can't go to the studio to record or whatever that might look like. So right. Um, so we're trying to, they're, they're, they're working really hard to make sure we can continue the podcast. So it comes out every two weeks cool. and, um, we're focused, it's called STEM talk and it's focused on the most interesting people in science and technology. And it's a really cool opportunity to chat with, well, just a variety of people from all different backgrounds. And I've had the chance to speak with, you know, oceanographers and physicists and Apollo astronauts and. Uh, another one is just like you kind of pinch yourself after it's done and go, wow, I just, I just had the chance to chat with that person. That was wow. pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So where, where can they find that podcast? 
so it's on pretty much every podcast app out there. Or right. Just Google STEM Talk and um, S-T-E-M, STEM Talk, and, and you'll be able to find it. That's great. You also mentioned the last time we talked that you are, I mean, amidst all these awesome things you're doing that you enjoy. And, and somebody told me once, and it's true, like my mom always used to say like, oh, you know, when you want to do something, you find the time to do it. And mm-hmm. I've always kind of believed that. It's just like, look, you know, we, you know, you keep a busy schedule and you do all these fun things because you, you enjoy doing them. Like nobody wants to be forced to have to, you know, partake in a, a, a activity or something. You, if, if, if it's something that you enjoy, like all the things that you're doing, it's a passion. So like the podcast and everything. And you also mentioned you're going to be training and doing marathons, which yeah, is also very so time I consuming. Just, <laughs> so I'm actually coming up your way, Dan. I'm going to be in Chicago. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll see if the race is still held. But fingers <laughs> right. crossed. Yeah. Um, in October, I'm going, I'm going to run the Chicago marathon for the first time. My, my family has roots all throughout the Midwest, but we have a history with Chicago. My mom's a lifelong Chicago Cubs fan. Who stinks? My, uh, sorry, Dan. <laughs> uh, but my dad, my dad's <laughs> south side of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, my dad, my dad is a huge White Sox fan, so it uh, goes both ways. <laughs> and um, and my sister lived up there too, so I registered and I, I thankfully I got in to run the Chicago Marathon this fall, which I'm really excited about because I've heard great things, just amazing things about the race. Cool. And then um, I just ran what was called the Dopey Challenge, which is aptly named. Um, <laughs> it is running 48.6 miles over four days. So we ran a 5K. This is at Disney World, and we ran a 5K Thursday, 10K Friday, half marathon Saturday, marathon on Sunday. Um, so that was fun. I almost started thinking I wanted to do it again because I'm getting a little stir crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so ask me when we start coming out of quarantine if that's still the case. But oh my gosh, <laughs> I like, maybe I, I could do it again. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, another yeah. thing I noticed, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's others, but the Undersea and Hyperbaric Medical Society's Young Scientist Award. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that. That is quite an acronym. How did, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't mean to ask, like, how did you get that award? What, are you smart or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that's like, Good that, question. it's another one that you just, you know, in, in your field, of course, you're like, man, like, I just won that award. That's awesome. I don't know much about yeah. it, but if you wouldn't mind elaborating, please. Yeah, no, thank you. It was It's uh, meant for the kind of young up-and-coming scientists in the field of undersea and hyperbaric medicine. So kind of, again, talking about extreme environmental medicine and research, it's, it's, it's a pretty small field, but, you know, it's an impactful field. We do a lot of work, again, with military and also recreational diving population. And so um, I was completely, absolutely surprised, first of all. I didn't even know that I was up for it. And then, to just absolutely honored, given previous people who have won the award. Yeah. So that was a great surprise as well in 2018. That's fantastic and, and mm-hmm. well-earned, of course. So you mentioned, uh, you. like, some of the women that are in the Divers Hall of Fame, people that when you were younger you looked up to. Like, who – give us an example of – you know, somebody that maybe you're in touch with today that you've had a chance to meet or, you know, you interviewed them on the podcast or whatever, somebody that like really early on in your career, you really were like, wow, like I want to be like her or. Yeah. Um, so Jill Heinerth, hmm? uh, Jill Heinerth, um, H-E-I-N-E-R-T-H. And the only reason I'm spelling that is because she has a book out that I highly, highly recommend. Um you can uh, obviously read it, but also she has a great audiobook version that she reads herself, which I think is fantastic to yeah. hear her voice. So Jill is one of the like most prominent explorers on the planet. 
um, specifically to underwater exploration. She has just accomplished so much. I've known her since I was in high school. Um, her husband, actually she and her husband, did my cave training and he did my cave training. She did some of my what's called mixed gas training, so learning how to breathe and how to plan for breathing different gases underwater. And this yeah. is when I was in high school, just coming out of high school. Um, but she has worked on projects all over the world, uh, has dove under icebergs and just has she just has this incredible story and she has an incredible way of sharing her story and her adventures. So to anybody who's, who wants to listen and who wants to read, it's an incredibly inspirational book. And it's just about, she kind of talks not just about her adventures, but how she chose that path that's, you know, a little bit more difficult. And a yeah. lot of people said, why are you choosing this path? But it was the one that felt right to her and she followed her heart. And I know, Dan, you do the same thing with your life. And I, I think we kind of surround ourselves with people who do, do the same. But I think it's always nice to kind of hear that message sometimes from other people and see see how they made those decisions and, and how it's impacted them and how they're impacting people around them. So Jill Heiner, she's um she's just been one of my kind of life mentors. Yeah. I don't get to see her physically that often, but I follow what she does. And then whenever we see each other at meetings, it's always just fantastic to catch up. And she's been one of my biggest cheerleaders as far as my career goes and vice versa i just you know just every step of the way just you know kind of rooting her on wherever i can uh looks like she was inducted in 2000 to the women's diver yes. hall of fame wouldn't it be kind of weird like if oh the women's diver hall of fame but it's based in like nebraska you know like yeah. of course <laughs> of course it's in florida like where else would it be uh beautiful area over there the villages and we have women that are scattered all over all over the world. Um, I think you know it kind of depends on who's who's running the show, who's who's president. I, I don't know how they've made the decision to where it's based off of. Jill, Jill was actually in the inaugural class, so there was a a big group of women who are you know, just incredibly deserving who were brought in back in 2000, and so she's been one of the original members and and definitely a huge supporter of other women coming into the into the um, would have as well. That's amazing. For like uh, the umbrella of like all that you're doing, do you have like your own specific website that people can, you know, start to follow your career or just? I do not. <laughs> Why not, Dawn? Um, I don't. I keep getting, I keep <laughs> being, I, I keep getting pressure. They're like, you're going to have to start a Twitter page. You're going to, I did actually have a Twitter page during my new mission and I took it down. Uh, because I was like, oh, it's just, I'm, I'm still a bit of a curmudgeon when it comes to certain things. I'm like my dad, I guess it was, <laughs> but, um, I don't have anything right now, uh, but I probably will have something up and coming right now. My, uh, my LinkedIn page is probably the closest thing you can find, or then my IHMC, uh, my IHMC position page would be the other one. Yeah. But, um, if I have something come up, I will definitely let you know. I'll pass yeah, it and then, but in the meantime, they could, uh, check out STEM talk on any of the, uh, podcast platforms and. For sure. Um, that would be really cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, what do you, uh, what else have you, have you invented something that I'm not aware of or something? I mean, <laughs> if, what, what am I forgetting, Don? <laughs> no, I haven't. I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Wow, so, that's, that's, yeah. <laughs> wow. In the meantime, the three W's, right? So whiskey, wine, and, and Wi-Fi. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> That's so but yeah, awesome. we've been talking about this for quite some time, so thank you so much for setting out the opportunity. I really appreciate it. So thank you for all that you do. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks, Don. Well, there you have it. Don Conegas, uh, the women's diver, the women divers hall of fame. And I'm gonna give that website out again because uh, you know, throughout the course of you guys listening to this, and I appreciate you listening. W D H O F. So women's 
womendiverhalloffame.org. And the roster detail is, you know, it's absolutely worth checking out. They, there's little bios that you can click on. Uh, Dawn just mentioned Jill Heinerth. That's H-E-I-N-E-R-T-H. Uh, as somebody that she uh, very much uh, has inspired Dawn and, and looks up to. So Jill already sounds like a badass. And, and Dawn is a badass. So uh, check out her podcast, STEM Talk. Really appreciate Dawn's time today. Uh, it's, it's great to catch up with her. Animal Planet is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and what's the other one? Apple. <laughs> oh, Apple sounds pretty good. I like my apples. Diced up, like you know, I'm six years old, and just like covered in peanut butter. So uh, you won't get any peanut butter apples on Apple Podcasts, but you will get Animal Planet and AnimalPlanetRadio.com. Planet <laughs> Radio.